Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast. I'm David. Today we'll be in the book of Daniel, lesson number 40. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1 9, as may or may not be necessary. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for providing the word and the direction. Please bless myself in my attempt to give this lesson and the listener as a student that they can metabolize doctrine and grow in their faith. Help us and guide us in the coming week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, I'm still trying to recover from Thanksgiving, as I'm sure many of you are all doing the same, uh, eating leftovers and enjoying it again and again, as we gave thanks for all the blessings this great country has bestowed on us. All right. Lesson 40, last week, finished the teaching, the doctrine of jealousy, analyzed Daniel 3.13 and gave you a brief summary of the doctrine of anti-Semitism. When time ran out, I was in the process of teaching the doctrine of anger. So, next following is the uh, review from last week, which we're not going to do. We're going to skip down to the top of page 2 at point 1.6. We must not think we have to wait until we stop seething. Etymology. Anger is defined by Webster as a strong feeling of displeasure, hostility, indignation, or ire. The Greek humos describes a strong passion resulting in wrath or anger. Matthew 2.16 Then Herod when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and then all the coast thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Luke 4.28 And all they in the synagogue of Nazareth when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Acts 19.28 And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath, and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. 2 Corinthians 12.20 and 21 For I fear, lest, when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. And lest, when I come again, my God will humble me among you, 
and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already, and have not repented of the uncleanliness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. Galatians 5.20 Idultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulsions, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. The Greek, orge, is the mental impulse of indignation and wrath. Mark chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to good, do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save a life, or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Luke twenty-one twenty-three, But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck. In those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. Orge can also mean judicial punishment or discipline, as found in Paul's admonishment to submit to the authorities of the land. Romans thirteen four through 6 For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Orge is an emotion common to the human race. The admonition of Ephesians 4.26 is to not let anger become a sin. In Ephesians 4.26, the word for wrath is paragismos, meaning a wrath yielding, frustration and exasperation. We will see more of paragismos later in the doctrine. So Ephesians 4.26 be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. In Ephesians 4.31 and Colossians 3.8, we see how similar orge and thumos are in meaning and application. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath, thumos, and anger, orge, and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Colossians 3.8 But now ye also put off all these, anger, orge, wrath, thumos, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. With reference to the difference between thumos and orge, orge signifies the spirit panting, as it were, in the body with rage, passion, and heat. On the other hand, thumos can signify indignation, which has arisen gradually and has become settled. 
Orge also means the natural juices that flow and seethe, as in the immediate emotional response to a precipitate situation. In summary, these two words represent the emotion of anger or indignation, which must be nipped in the bud at the mental attitude level. This is only done by rebound. As we have seen in Romans 13.4, orge, over time, came also to mean judicial punishment, which is not a sin. Notice how orge is used to describe that what a pastor-teacher should not be, i.e., not soon angry. Titus 1.7, For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, orge, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. Anaf in the Hebrew means to breathe through the nose, like the snorting of a bull. It also means anger is a strong feeling of indignation. It is an, it is an onomatopoeic word like buzz. In the case of anaf, the bull or cow, when angry and preparing to charge, often makes a sound like anaf. Notice how anaf is first used with reference to Judah in Egypt when speaking to Joseph, and Jacob's description of Simeon and Levi in their dealing with the men of Shishm. Genesis 44, 18-20 Then Judah came near unto him, and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears. And let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age little one, and his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. Verse 21, And thou saidest unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. Genesis 49, verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. Verse 7, Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob, and scatter them in Israel. Simeon and Levi, Jacob's second and third sons by Leah, were brothers in violence. Jacob could not, could never forget their cruel massacre of the Shishamites. They revealed their true characters that day, for they violently attacked and destroyed men they had previously made helpless by strategy and deceit. At that time, they were censored by their father. Parogismos in the Greek means wrath and indignation, characterized by frustration and exasperation i.e. that emotion of anger which seized alongside. 
It is used in Ephesians 4.26 to explain what we are to avoid. And it reads, Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It is not a sin to experience the emotion of anger unless we permit that emotion to continue and thereby prevent proper thinking and or action. God being slow to anger is an anthropopathism. Nehemiah 9.17 And refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. In general, usage in the English Bible distinguishes anger from wrath. The latter being the more explosive is an active manifestation of displeasure. Anger results in self-induced misery and failure. It also hurts others. Both overt and sneaky anger need to be named as sin if we are to maintain fellowship. By sneaky or repressed anger, I mean that anger resident in your soul but never expressed, or that described by the axiom, many an unkind word is said in jest. Proverbs 21.19, It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. In verse 22, I mean, chapter 22, verse 24, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Proverbs 25, 24, It is better to dwell in the corner of, a, of the housetop than with a quarrelsome wife and in a wide house. In 29, 22, An angry man stirs up dissension and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. Ecclesiastes 7.9 Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Anger and wrath are related and replete with cruelty. Proverbs 27.4 Wrath is cruel and anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Wrath in Proverbs 27.4 is shema, meaning furious heat, unbridled anger. Anger is af, from anaf, meaning a stronger or strong feeling of anger and indignation. Shema would seem to describe that held within, whereas af would seem to describe expressed anger. The bull is about to charge. Uncontrolled anger can certainly frustrate the ministry of a believer. 1 Timothy 2.8 I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Anger leads to revenge when it goes underground. The story of Absalom avenging Tamar by murdering Amnon is an example. 2 Samuel Chapter 13, verse 22 through 29.
And Absalom spake unto his brother Abnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Abnon, because he had forced his sister Tamar. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears and Baal-Hazor, which is beside Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold now, thy servant have sheep shears. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. And the king said to Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all now go, lest we be chargeable up to thee. And he pressed him. Howbeit he would not go, but blessed him. Then said Absalom, If not, I pray thee, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said unto him, Why should he go with thee? But Absalom pressed him, that he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Mark ye now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say unto you, Smite Amnon, then kill him. Fear not, have not I commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. And the servants of Absalom did unto Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Anger is ever-present in churches full of people negative to the word of God. 2 Corinthians 12.20 For I fear, lest, when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strives, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. In 2 Corinthians 12.20, thumos is the word translated wraths. Anger characterizes the life of a reversionist. Galatians 5.19 and 20 now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulsions, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. In Galatians 5.20, the word translated wrath is thumos. We are therefore to put off anger and wrath as part of the maturing process. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Fury is used in Scripture to express the burning anger and rage of man. It is also used of God in the sense of an anthropopathism. Examples, the fury of man, Genesis 27, 43. 
and 44. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother to Haran, and tarry with him a few days until thy brother's wrath turns away. Esther chapter 1, verse 10 through 12. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Minhuman, Bista, Arbana, Bigtha, and Abagatha, Zethar, and Karkas, December chamberlains that served in the presence of Asuras the king, to bring Vashti, the queen, before the king with the crown royal, to shew the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come to the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. The Fury of God, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Psalms 145, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. All right, let's go back to the Daniel and see what we can learn from Chapter 3, verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Principles. The issue is always whether man will try to extricate himself from a hopeless situation or whether he will depend on God. It is part of the devil's strategy to make it easy for the believer to compromise. And in Nebuchadnezzar's offer, we see subtle satanic tactics. How easily Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have grasped that opportunity. They could have placated the king by offering any number of excuses, or they might have said, O oh, king, these men are liars. They say that these they say these things because they are jealous of us. However, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not resort to human viewpoint. God's law had precedence over man's decree. They took the divine viewpoint route. In verse 15, we have the king's statement, the image which I have made. Nebuchadnezzar conceived the idea of the colossal image, designed it, and when it was completed, the image actually became an extension of his ego. To worship the image was to worship 
Nebuchadnezzar. The three believers had to take a stand, even if it meant death. Because the Lord was more real to them than the crisis. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not succumb to the king's pressure. Few believers arrive at a place where they realize that life belongs to the Lord and that all problems are but his opportunity to demonstrate his love for us. When Christ is at home in your heart, you will have happiness and a relaxed mental regardless of circumstances and details of life. Nebuchadnezzar had everything except a relaxed mental attitude. In fact, he was all bent out of shape because he cared only about himself and required conformity to conciliate his exaggerated ego. In reality, Nebuchadnezzar was challenging God. Forgotten was the king's peace of mind derived from God's mercies through Daniel. Forgotten was his acknowledgement that your God is a God of gods. Daniel 2, verse 47. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Forgotten also was the fact that all he possessed came from God. Daniel 2, 37. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. Little did he realize that just as the Lord gave, the Lord could take away. Job 1.21 and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May thy name of the Lord be praised. In his ego, lust, Nebuchadnezzar thought no power in the universe could nullify his decree or deliver those whom he condemned. The question, who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hand, was recognized by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as a blasphemous challenge of God's sovereignty. Nebuchadnezzar's mention of my hands referred to his human authority. Here was a case of power lust perverting his ego to the point of disorientation to the grace of God. Psalm 75, 7, But it is God who judges. He brings one down, he exalts another. If Nebuchadnezzar had really understood the message of the panorama, of empires as interpreted by Daniel, he had by now totally dismissed it from his mind. Before we look at Daniel 3.15, let me give you an expanded translation of verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar asked the three boys, Did you intentionally not bow down to worship my God? I hope you now realize that all of you are in serious trouble. The mere act of refusing to bow and worship, whether intentional or not, is a serious event. The king now is incredulous. He even reviews for the three men of Israel his earlier command. Verse 15, among other things, is evidence that Nebuchadnezzar 
cannot fathom anyone being so bold. Surely he thinks these guys must have misunderstood the command. Now let's go ahead and look at Daniel chapter 3 verse 15. Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of mine hands? Nebuchadnezzar believed there was no power on earth which could nullify his decree or deliver those whom he condemned. When asked, Who is the God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw this as a blasphemous challenge of God's sovereignty. That shall deliver you is the peal imperfect from the word shazab and means deliver in the sense of rescue. Nebuchadnezzar's mention of my hands referred to his human authority. Here's was a case of powerless perverting the ego to the point of disorientation to the grace of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6, 7, and 8. Now, brothers, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one man over against another. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have become kings, and that without us. How I wish that you really had become kings so that we might be kings with you. Before we move on to verse 16, let me give you an expanded translation of verse 15. In your actions were not deliberate, then the next time you hear the music, be sure you fall down and worship the image, and if you do, I will forget the whole thing. Be certain, however, if you do not obey, you will be thrown into the fiery furnace, and I can assure there is no God anywhere powerful enough to save you. Now verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this manner. Principles. The word careful is the peel participle of the Chaldean word shashak, meaning it is not necessary, or we are not frightened. They had no need to be afraid because divine viewpoint permeated their minds with the very peace of God. That is beyond human comprehension. What you really are is what you think, for as he thinketh in his heart, 
so he is. These three were not reckless. They were fully cognizant of the fact that the king could snuff out their lives by one command, yet they were not afraid. The Bible teaches that you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Matthew 4.10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Exodus 20, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. The scriptures settled the issue for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and life for them was very simple. Unlike the Chaldeans, they did not bother to flatter the king or to appeal to him for mercy. They simply stated the facts. If it be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Daniel 3.17 Again, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. So, if it be so, express the fact that these three believers recognized that their deliverance rested with the sovereignty of God. Whether or not they died in the, fur the furnace was a divine option. God had the power and ability to deliver them or to make them to be with himself. When a believer knows this principle of doctrine, then with Job he can say, Though he slay me, Yet will I trust in him. Job chapter 13, verse 15 to 19. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance, for no godless man would dare come before him. Listen carefully to my words. Let your ears take in what I say. Now that I have prepared my case, I know I will be vindicated. Can anyone bring charges against me? If so, I will be silent and die. Because these men were thoroughly grounded in the word of God from early youth, they knew that they must never bow to the golden statue. When they stated, Our God, Jesus Christ, whom we serve, they publicly acknowledged their relationship to the maker of heaven and earth and everything therein. This was a proper orientation. While they served the Chaldean Empire in an official capacity, they did their job as unto the Lord and were in his service. First an expanded translation, and then we will look at verse 17 next week. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not even have to consider our answer. And that concludes lesson number 40 in the book of Daniel.
As always, you know I appreciate you being here. I look forward to being here again next week with you. We bow our heads in a closing prayer. If there's anyone within the sound of my voice or beyond, anyone you could touch. Without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, just remember to tell them, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and get in the book and start learning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word provided today. We thank you for your many, many blessings. We thank you for this country and thanksgiving. We look forward to all you have in store for us. Again, thank you for those blessings. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Until next time. So long.